Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Matt, it's an honor to be with you this morning. And um, it's just such a joy to get to uh, be a part of a church that would dedicate uh, the summer to the Psalms. We're just going to dive in as a church. And uh, Mark asked me to preach uh, a couple months back, and I said, sure. Uh, And so I started planning and preparing Psalm 91. I had an epic, epic, (laughs) epic message for you all. And then last week, he comes up between services like, he's like, hey, I'm like halfway through 103. Do you mind finishing it? I said, no problem, no problem. So, <laughs> so we're going to finish Psalm 103 this morning. Um, the Psalms are our chorus. Uh, they're our wounded cry. They're our victorious celebration as a church. They're the songs of our Christian experience. And I absolutely love them. It's the easiest book for me in the Old Testament to just spend time in. And my hope that these songs would cease to be background music for us as believers, but would truly become our anthem. That we as believers would truly sing, start to sing louder, that we'd sing with more passion, more truth and more vulnerability. I, there's something just spiritual about singing out loud. I was just sitting down here worshiping as Christina and, and the band was leading us this morning. And, and there, there's something like when we were singing, I'm a child of God, it's almost like I couldn't sing it. And I was just like, I, was just like, I almost don't believe it at times. Um, I have a hard time. And even though theologically I know who I am, I know who God says I am, but it's, there's something about singing it out that it just makes it true with my soul. And I think that's what we see here in the Psalms as these people interact with doctrine, they interact with God, and this is their response. The Psalms um, come in many musical genres, don't they? The blues we see in Psalm 22.6 when the psalmist says, I am a, but I'm a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. That's the blues, man. You see classical. I love Stravinsky's uh, conduction of a symphony of the Psalms. It's very... It's just big. It's magnificent. And I, every time I go through the Psalms, there's moments where it's almost accompanied by, by classical music. We see there's a little uh, smooth jazz. I don't know. Anytime I, I hear the Psalms, uh, you know, visually I look and I see, I see like a Thomas Kincaid painting. <laughs> I don't know. And, and there's like a, a meadow and a, and a little lamb or something. And it's like Psalms. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, get, I see that. There's definitely rock and roll. Bob Dylan saying, by his word, I've been healed, a direct quote from Psalm 107.20. Uh, <laughs> in Psalm 137.9, though, this, is, this one's kind of gnarly. Blessed is the one who takes your little children and smashes them against the rocks. <laughs> no, that's not a Metallica song. That's in the Psalms. And to put it in context, we see that Israel was in captivity at the time, and they're just responding for their hatred of their situation. Um, the human side of interacting with God, saying, I hate our enemies, I hate them, I wish that they would die, and they're crying that out to God. And so we see very human moments in this book. Uh, I grew up in a very musical family, although I myself am not musical at all. It's hof- I think it's hopefully skipped a generation, my kids pick it up, but my aunt... Uh, was an amazing musician. She was the executive director of Carnegie Hall in New York City. And uh, so we grew up with, uh, you know, um, just, it was very common to talk about all the great musicians, uh, classical, jazz, you name it. 
And uh, she has a million stories, and it was just always amazing to, to get to be around that. And my grandfather uh, was also from New York City in Brooklyn, and he was a jazz percussionist. And uh, he played all the clubs. <clears throat> he uh, gigged with uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Ella knit him a tie during a uh, rehearsal one, during one time, then my grandma lost the tie. <laughs> but I've forgiven her almost, so. And, uh, and uh, um, he got a job offer once, and so he went and tried out for this band and uh, he got the job actually and so this guy Glenn Miller says hey uh, we want to offer you the job he says no man your sound's too weird it's it's not it's just not it's not now and sure enough that became the big band era and kind of sprung out of jazz and and uh, he famously turned that down so and we've forgiven him as well so that's okay Um, but for me, I, I, music was just music until 1991, and I'm from Seattle, Washington, and uh, Seattle is just this rainy, miserable place. I think I, preach, I say that every time I preach, but it truly is. It's the gospel truth. And, uh, and I remember I was, you know, just a kid, I was, I was finally in junior high, and, you know, I'd grown up listening to the radio, it was like Madonna, and like, you know, Michael Jackson, all this stuff, and I, I enjoyed music, but I, I'd never really had an encounter with it until I was on the phone with the prettiest girl in seventh grade, at least I thought so, Stacy Shavira, and I was talking to her, and I was watching MTV, back when MTV played music videos, and I'm sitting there, and again, it was just the normal top top 40, whatever. And then all of a sudden there was this black and white video shot in black and white of a theater in Seattle that I knew. I go, oh my gosh, that's the Moore Theater. And this rock band was playing and they looked different. They weren't like Guns N' Roses. It was like a new type of music. And they were wearing flannels and they kind of, they looked like I looked. I'm like, that's not a fashion statement anywhere yet. It hadn't become because it was just a necessity. If you grew up in the miserable plate of Seattle, you had to stay warm. And this guy was holding the microphone like this, and I'd never seen that done before. And this band had a new, ushered in a whole new genre of rock and roll. And I'm like, I literally, I hung up the phone, just straight, mid-sentence, hung up the phone. I'm like, whatever this is, this is the rest of my life. This is it. It was the band Pearl Jam. And I just go, this is it. This is it. And still to this day, every time I hear... That song, I hear that song, Even Flow. There's just a connection to music that we've all experienced at some one point or another. Maybe for you, it's, I don't know, Neil Diamond. Maybe it's Kanye West. We've all had that moment where music becomes something that is beautiful. And I think the psalmists are beckoning us and inviting us to get back to that place where our heart truly beats for God in a way of song. And we all know what that is, but it's very hard to articulate, is it not? And so um, the goal of this sermon is exactly that, is that we would begin to find our song again. And David lays out a great outline for, us, for this to happen in Psalm 103. So let's, uh, let me pray and we'll dive in. Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for who you are. We pray that we would respond to you according to who you are today, that, we would, uh, that you would just fill us with a song again. Some of us here, we need that filling of your Holy Spirit. Some of us here, it's, it's difficult to sing. Some of us here, it's, we feel like we have nothing to sing about. And so we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would change that this morning. Give us insight into your word. Give us insight into David. Lord, ordain my thoughts. Anoint my lips as I handle your word. May I do so accurately. Bring glory to you. We love you. We're so thankful for this church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, hey, I got a quick, uh, I was going to pray for Jung. 
I could still do that. Uh, but uh, hey, he's, he's home, and he's, he's comfortable, and he's happy. Isn't that cool? So thank you, Lord. That's an answer to prayer, but keep praying. Uh, it's a long road. It's a long road, and we love, we love Jung. And uh, I'm wearing my Jung beanie today because I love him. It's my brother. So in the Psalms, we have three types of pronouns. If you, if you look at all the theology books, they've broken up the Psalms and do a million different things. But I, I see really three major types of Psalms. First of all, we see a hymn. And Walter Brueggemann says uh, that the hymns of the Psalms are songs of orientation, meaning this, that God is good and things are as they should be and the songs of praise testify to that. And then there's the Psalms of lament. And this is the disorientation. This is when we're hurting, betrayed, upset, and abandoned, and things aren't as they ought to be. And then thirdly, there's the Psalms of thanksgiving. And these are fun ones to sing. They're the songs of reorientation, according to Brueggemann, like a hymn, uh, but as a response to God hearing the prayer of lament and answering that prayer. It's not a fun season to be in when we've been in a tough season. We have something to be thankful for. Well, Psalm 103 is a hymn or a doxology. A doxology is a liturgical formula to praise God. In kind of our tribe and our expression of Christianity, liturgy, uh, liturgy isn't a big part of that. And, and that's okay, but it's fun every once in a while to examine liturgy, when to stand up, when to sit down, uh, the process of praising God. Sometimes we're so, we're so Southern California that it's just, you know, easy breezy, whatever goes, goes. And especially even in the Calvary Chapel movement, we're, and, and we experience the freedom of Christ. But every once in a while, I think it's fun to participate in some lit- liturgy. And we see this in, in, uh, in the 103rd Psalm. Now, the theme of the psalm is, is, is blatant to me. And the first theme is that, that Christ the Messiah is so present in this psalm. Luke 24, 44, Jesus says, he goes, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalms. And so he's talking about, hey, you've known about me because you have read the psalms. And then secondly, the major theme here is our response to Christ the Messiah, being hallelujah, being praise be to God. In Psalm 150, there's six short verses and 13 times it says praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's epic, it's very cool. And we know the author to be David and our, our theme here is that we're to become David's. I'm going, really? Have you, have you read Samuel chapter 11? <laughs> That's, that's who we want to become. And we know David's past of being a complete sinner, an adulterer. We think of Bathsheba. And then, and then uh, that whole process of, uh, the, you know, of him, of him uh, of getting, he, he was like the first guy to get me too'd by Nathan, remember? He like calls him out. He's like, dude, you can't, you can't be doing this. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. So, and then not only that, but he was a murderer. I mean, this guy, this, that's not the David we all want to become, just to be clear. We want to become the Davids who have, have, have responded to God's grace towards them because that's who we are as believers. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God's dealt with us. He's, he's taken our transgressions. He's established us in him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's something to sing about. So that's the David that we want to become. And that's where we pick up in his life is that he is praising God for all that God has done in his life. So Mark started us off in the first couple verses uh, last week. The first verse is this. In the NIV, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being 
praise his holy name. The New American Standard says it this way, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now this word praise or bless is Barack. It's like Barack Obama, but you gotta get a little spicy at the end of it, or a little phlegmy, something like that. And it really means to kneel or to bow or to break before. And so this paints a picture of worship being a physical act that we're to physically accomplish something, physically do something, and there's physicality to it. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. That's the physicality of worship that this is speaking of. And so this self-talk, this, as, as David's talking to him, himself here, that, Paul, that Mark was referring to last week, is, is asking and pleading with the soul to respond physically to who God is. He's saying, come on, soul, that innermost being, respond, feel, bow, kneel. And just like when I heard Pearl Jam for the first time, he's, that's what he's asking for. Because it's hard to articulate the soul being physical or doing something physical, but that's what he's asking. And so, again, it's hard to articulate, but we all know it. We've all heard that music that we've gone, oh, this is my anthem. Or we've all fallen in love. So up until I met my wife, I thought I had fallen in love. She's beautiful. I love her. She's gorgeous. I love her. And I was in love with everybody. And then I met my wife. And all of a sudden, my heart goes, it started doing something. I'm like, what is going on? I, could, I didn't know what was happening. And it's that articulation. Again, we've all experienced it, but it's hard to put it into words, right? But that is what David, I believe, is, is beckoning of himself. He's like, come on, soul, come alive, bow before God, kneel before God, break before God, and start worshiping him, start worshiping him. No more lip syncing, let's, let's do this thing. And then secondly, we see that there's action. In verses three through six, it says, it talks about what God does. He forgives us of all our sin. He heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. He renews your youth like the eagle. That's awesome. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed, even better. So normally, worship is done out of reciprocity, right? We see that God is good, therefore I will worship him. But David sets a new example. And I really like this. And I think there's, if we pay attention to the nuance here, this could really transform our spirituality. He starts with begging his soul to praise God. He just goes, we're gonna start there. We're gonna, start, we're gonna push into it. We're gonna fight to enter this place of praise. We're not gonna wait for God to demonstrate all that he is. We're gonna start there. So that's where we start. And then we talk about all that God has done and all who he is. Interesting, because I always have to like, really, I try to focus on him and then that starts to spur up praise. I like that he begins with worship here. And so maybe this small nuance can help us get to a place where we can start to sing again. So here in verses seven through 12, we pick up on the very character. So who is the Lord? And in verse seven, it says that he has, made his na- his wa- his, he has made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. And so we pick up back in Exodus 34, and this is what the psalmist is referring to. Remember when Mo busted the tablets and then God had to give him some new ones? That's where we are. And he passes before Moses and he says, the Lord, the Lord your God, compassionate and gracious 
slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And so we see that right after in verse, uh, in verse 10. Back in the text of Psalm 103, it says, he has not dealt, I'm sorry, verse eight, the Lord is compassionate. Reader, it says, and he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding and loving kindness. So how do we know that? How do we know that God is all these things? I think verse 10 answers that. Because he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And so we know that the reward for our iniquities is, or the wages of sin, rather, it's another way to put it, is death. That's what we should be rewarded for for our lifestyle of sin or David's lifestyle out of, out of the book of Samuel. But we know that God in his graciousness and his compassion and his slow to anger and his abounding in loving kindness has not dealt with us according to our sins. But he's blessed us with the knowledge and the understanding and the relationship of Jesus Christ. And that is something to sing about. So uh, we pick up in verse eight, and we continue, and we see that he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. Um, and then we, secondly, we see that he is the forgiver of our sins. He is the solution. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. For he himself, verse 14, knows our frame. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Uh, Nothing like getting uh, mixed up in the text when you're in front of 500 people staring at you. <laughs> I'm dyslexic, and so sometimes I write, I write down notes that make perfect sense in the moment, and then this moment happens. So, uh, <laughs> Okay, so he is the forgiver of our sin. For our sins, he is the solution. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God removes our transgressions. And not only that, in Hebrews 8.12, it says, I will remember your sins no more. So he chooses to forget. I love that. This is how he solves our sin problem. This is how we know that he's the the fixer of our sin problem. Isaiah 43.25, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. I like this. And so as far as the east is from the west, again, that's a, that's, a, that's something that, it's a picture, but it's, it's hard to understand completely. But what helps me understand it completely is this idea that God forgives us of our sin, but he also chooses to forget. That's a tough one for me to, to grasp and to comprehend. I see my, my buddy Jesse out here, a fellow filmmaker, and I love this guy. But if I, if I said, hey, Jesse, come up here on stage, and I brought him up on stage, and I'm like, Jesse, it's so good to see you. Whack! And I just punched him in the nose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesse, you're like one of my best friends. Uh, I just broke your nose. I'm so sorry. I'm twitchy. I really, really apologize. I guarantee he would forgive me. He would forgive me of that incident. But then the next day, if I had him up in the next service at the 1045, so Jesse, come on up here to the stage. He would stand over there. He might do it. He might have forgiven me, but he would stand over there. But God is different. He keeps pushing in. We keep sinning against him. Our nature just keeps showing itself ugly over and over and over and again. We see that in the psalmist, how they respond and and how they talk about their own sin and dealing with God. And yet God is still right there. He's still right in your face going, 
I don't remember you hitting me last moment. And that's the picture that I see of God being the the solution to our sin problem. So he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And we know this because as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God removes our transgressions. Wow, that's amazing. I want to touch on verse 11 for just a minute. Sometimes it's a little funky as... uh, It says this, um, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. There's a lot of talk of that in the Bible and and our understanding of fear is different from the biblical interpretation of fear. Proverbs 9.10 says this, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so we all want that, but still, it still puts us in this posture of fear. Proverbs 8.13 describes this best though. The fear of the Lord is to hate sin and evil. And so really, it's not, a shying away or a cowering from God, that's not the posture it's talking about. It's actually shying away and cowering from sin. Does that make sense? And so I think the best way to say is, to, is, to re, is that fear of God is to respect, to awe, to submit, and to praise. That's what the fear of God is talking about. Not to run away, but to run towards. So who is the Lord? Well, th- this text just told us, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, And we know that because he's chosen to forgive us of our sin and to forget our sin. So, verse 13 through 22. So praise him. This is the the title of this little section. Because of what he has done and who he is. We praise God because of what he has done and who he is. Here are two more add-ons to that as well. We praise him. Uh, because he knows us. I love this section here. If you want to read with me uh, in verse 14, it says this, that he, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and the place acknowledges it no longer. And so we see this is who we are, and we understand that God knows us in this state. Our frailty says our life is like a flower that comes up quick and goes away quick. You guys remember the super bloom? Oh, we all freaked out like two months ago, like all this rain in Southern California and the desert just became alive. And we were all, everyone was running out to these places that no man ever goes anytime, any place. And so we're out in the desert and the people are frolicking in these beautiful flowers. We're like, this is amazing. Now we've all forgotten it. It's gone. Those flowers are, you know, all done. What's left will burn in September. And that's, that's the story of Southern California. <laughs> and that's the story of our lives. <laughs> but God knows us in that state. And guess what? He loves us in that state. Verse 17 says this, God's love for you is forever. It's not temporal like our lives, but it's forever. It's before us. It's with us now, and it's after us. His love is forever. Have you guys seen the Sandlot? Forever. Forever. Squints, he's, he's my favorite. It's a great movie, great movie. So he knows us, he loves us, and listen to this, verse 17, his righteousness, his righteousness is yours. So it says this, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts and do them. 
So again, this is referring to the old covenant, which is obey God, keep the law, and God will protect and bless you. But we know that under the new covenant, Romans 3.22, the righteousness is given through the faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's a better even understanding of this text being on this side of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful reality that we attain the righteousness of God. That's, that's hard to grasp for a guy like me who tends to screw everything up. <laughs> to read that and to, 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 to hear David talk about that and to try to accept that, that's, that's the Christian experience, is it not? So I'm sitting there going, I'm a child of God. I'm trying to get it out. I'm trying to like just understand who my identity is. And it's, it's difficult at times. But again, singing it out, praising God, knowing who we are, that causes us spiritual beings to truly come alive. I think the enemy is right in there trying to shush you and to quiet you. And God's going, no, 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 sing it out. That's who you are. Sing it out. Sing louder. Come on. I think there's something really, really special, special about that. So, He knows you. He knows your frailty. He knows your sin. He loves you forever. His righteousness and his salvation are yours. So I think God deserves some praise for that. It picks up in verse 19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you, his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you will, who will serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his and the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he's crying out here. So angels, listen, you better, you better praise the Lord. The mighty in strength, you better praise the Lord. All the hosts, verse 21, you better praise the Lord. And here we are, all you works of his. That's us, praise the Lord. Mark's uh, Mark Foreman uh, put some notes in here that when we praise, when we actually respond to this and do this, uh, we are aligning, join, we are aligned, joining the rest of creation, and no longer autonomous. I like that. That we we become one. We be, become a chorus of the entire world, God's creation, God's children singing out, and there's there's unity in that. That's it's pretty powerful. You think of like a concert when everyone knows the lyrics, right? And the singer backs away from the microphone. That's a, those are always really amazing moments. Now think about in the grand picture of all of, of, all of us as people. Number two, we are being uh, honest and truthful about God and this world. So I think when we find ourselves in a very worshipful place, it's a place of honesty, right? When I was struggling to just cry out that I am a child of God, It's a very honest thing. And sometimes honesty is difficult, right? And so, but we find ourselves, when we are able to praise, it's a very honest and truthful encounter. Number three, we are feeding and strengthening our souls. After that moment, just 20 minutes ago, when I finally belted it out, oh man, it was freeing. It was just like, okay, I'm here. It's Sunday morning. I'm a child of God. Let's do this. We enter the wonderland of God, seeing what is good, loving, and truthful, I don't know, man, it's just like worshiping with Christina and the band and all of you. It, it, just, it just was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I love it. I love it when I'm driving and just, just a, a, a God song will just enter my heart. And I just, oh man, those are wonderful, wonderful moments. And the invitation is to have more of them. We are filled with God's love. We, we are filled with God's love uh, to love others. 
So we know that like when we're worshiping, our, our focus is off us, our focus is off all of our insecurities or inadequacies, and we are able to not be so focused on us, but we start to see others, and it's easier to love our neighbor and to love our enemy in those moments. And there's just straight power in praise. It's just a powerful, powerful thing. I remember this is, this is one of the coolest moments of my life. Uh, my first trip ever to New York City uh, was with my wife. We, uh, I forget what we were doing. I think we, we'd shown uh, one of my films uh, in New York City. And so uh, I'm like, oh, let's go. So we went and we're just going all around New York City. And I'm like walking, you know, the steps of where my grandfather walked. And he'd talk about walking down the streets and not missing a play of the Brooklyn Dodgers because everybody had radios in, out at their front porches. And it was just like, you know, Ebbets Field is no more, but it's okay. We got the Dodgers in LA. So it's a little bit closer. So I'm okay with that. And I remember we were like, we went through a, a Central Park and we were walking around and trying to find our way. And then all of a sudden we can't, we were walking down 7th Street and there it was, there was Carnegie Hall. I got, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I just, I saw this magnificent structure and I looked up top uh, where my aunt's uh, apartment was at Carnegie Hall. She lived at Carnegie Hall. How cool is that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Judy lived there. That's amazing. She, my, my aunt passed away in the late nineties of breast cancer. And so that's a tragic end of the story. But when I was there, I just, I felt connected to her in a really amazing way. And I remembered all the stories and I, I go, go, Rachel. So we romantically crossed 7th Avenue. Like I was Tom Hanks and she was Meg Ryan. And we're like, cabs are stopping. I'm like, Carnegie Hall. And, and, I, and we go up, like, we'll go inside. Of the, and, and the doors are locked. I'm like, oh. And I, I just, it was a slam. So I'm like, you know what? And so we went around back and we went down the alley and there was a door and, and I opened it and we went inside and there's a security guy. He's like, you're not Isaac Stern. I'm like, I know. Uh, it's not what he said, but that's how he looked. And uh, I, said, I said, sir, my, name, uh, my name's Joel Parker. And um, my aunt, uh, Judith Aaron, uh, was the director here uh, through, the, through the 90s. And um, I, I just, I never got a chance to make it out here while she was alive. And I was just wondering if I could poke my head in and just, just see the Grand Hall and just see just see, uh, you know, where my aunt worked and what she, she worked so hard on uh, all his life. And this big African-American guy goes, you wait right there. And he comes out behind the glass thing. He goes, Mr. Parker, it's an honor to meet you. He goes, your aunt hired me. I was her personal security detail. He goes, he goes, the place is yours. Go, he goes, go wherever you want. I'm like, Rachel's like, oh my gosh. And he goes, actually, he goes, uh, the Chicago uh, Philharmonic is in there uh, practicing right now. He's like, why don't you go in and have a little concert? So we went into Carnegie Hall, into this amazing room. If you've ever been there, it's incredible, the legacy. And Rachel and I had a private concert with 120 people on stage. One of the most romantic things of my life ever. And I just remember sitting there just going, the power of this moment, of, this, of everyone in tune singing, and the instruments just blaring was just absolutely spiritual moment. And I think that's what God is inviting us to. I think he's inviting us to a place and a posture of praise that isn't like all the songs we've heard before. It's a new experience. It's a surprising experience. It's a wonderful experience. He's going, get your song back. Start singing again. And David, even all his junk in his past, he starts singing again, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he just, he's just beckoning with himself to say, you know what, we're gonna start there. We're just gonna start there. Verse one, we're gonna start there. And then we're gonna fight to stay there by remembering who God is, what he's done. 
in how we respond. So we begin with blessing God. We remember what he has done, who he is. I think a couple more things here. One will help us get our song back is we've got to reprioritize our praise. I think our culture is wonderful and it's amazing, but we've, I think we're guilty of praising things that aren't eternal. I know this for me, we're all in different tax brackets, but um, we're a pretty wealthy area. And it's easy to praise and worship the things that come along with that. Our job, our title, our car, our house, our, any of that. So that becomes the mantle of who we are as people. You're welcome to stay there. You're welcome to keep fighting for those things. You're welcome to make your identity those things. But are you happy in those things? No, there's no way. There's no way we are as people. We're not created to be associated to those things in such a way that we praise those things, that we worship those things. We're created to worship God. We're spiritual people. And God's going, listen, if you can't sing, if you're having a hard time getting it out, reprioritize that praise. We've got to put God back at the top. There's a million different ways to do that. I'm not going to tell you how to do that, but I think it starts with the longing and the passion, the desire to make that a reality. So whatever that takes for you, whatever that takes for you, begin to do it. And then secondly, just do it. Just do the dang thing. Start now. Continue tonight, tomorrow, etc. Don't stop. Just just do it. Just start. If you're like, I don't know, I don't know, this got to be right. I don't like that drummer and I don't like this or just stop all that foolishness. Start saying you should be able to walk into a Catholic church and praise God. You should go right from the Catholic church to the Pentecostal church and praise God. You should go right from there to the Baptist church where there's the organ and the this and that and praise God. Don't make it circumstantial. Praise God. Just start with praising God. That's it. Literally, last night, I preached the sermon. It didn't go so great last night. <laughs> I had to tweak a few things. So I went home and, you know, I'm like kind of frustrated a little bit. And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I look out the window. And I thought, like, San Onofre had, was exploding. You know, it's like, what is going on? The sky is like neon pink. And so uh, my wife's like, hey, let's jump in the car and go down to the beach. So we did. So we got in the car. We rolled down all the windows and the sunroof. And, uh, and it was just like, the atmosphere was just amazing. Jesse, did you see the light last night? I was like, Someone is, somebody has a camera right now. They're making a million dollars because the lighting was just perfect. We call it golden hour in our, in our world. But it was just amazing. And on the way, I kid you not, right after I preached this sermon, right after it, my eight-year-old daughter, who has social anxiety, she's a little shy sometimes, but she's, the windows are down, the, the, the wind is blowing through our hair, and she goes, you know what we should do? On the count of three, we should yell out the window, praise Jesus. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. It's not that we have neighbors, you know. I, literally, I, I found my first reaction was like, no, no, that's embarrassing. That's silly. We're not going to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I get it, Lord. I get it. And so there's, we just have to kind of let it go. And you just have to put your head out the window and just on the count of three, praise Jesus. <laughs> and if you're too held up, like... I don't know, man. Loosen up a little bit. I don't know how to do that, but 
I think it starts with our hearts desiring to do that. If you just cry out to God, listen, I wanna become someone who worships, he'll start to answer those prayers. I really, truly believe that. I really, truly believe that. Hey, if you would, would you stand to your feet? We're gonna practice this right now. And I'm just gonna read a few uh, moments from the last Psalms. And boy, are they worshipful. The band is gonna come out. We're gonna sing one more song as we close, but... Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. The Lord will reign forever. Praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is becoming. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. He makes peace in your borders. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars and light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he is commanded and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees, and all cedars, beasts and cattle, creeping things and winged fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and judges and young men and virgins and old men and children. For his name alone is exalted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his greatness. Praise him, trumpet sound. Praise him, harp and lyre. Praise him with loud cymbals. That's my band Roy back here. Praise him with resounding cymbals. All right, all right. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.